Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, give us that one, two, three, four, five-star review. That five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, support, share, follow, subscribe, whatever you can do to support us, and of course, NBA Draft Junkies, Lakerholics.com, and the Run the Floor podcast. It is truly appreciated. Well, uh, pretty good game. Got tight at the end in the fourth quarter with game three of the Eastern Conference Finals between Boston and Miami. But Boston, I don't want to say they had their backs up against the wall, but you know, they kind of had their backs up against the wall today with something to prove to see if they can go ahead and make this a longer series. They did get a little bit of a boost today because Gordon Hayward did come back into the lineup as far as coming off the bench, and he did provide them 30 minutes. And was it enough? Well, looks like it sure was because the Celtics did pull off a 117-106 to 106 victory over the Miami Heat with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown just leading the way with 26 points and 25 points just a great, great, great effort from both of those individuals, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Bam Adebayo was the big key factor for Miami, but his 27 points and 16 rebounds was just not enough, even though it was a great performance by him. Tyler Hero chipped in with 22. Kemba Walker actually played pretty good today. Got, got, no, got no gripes with him. He scored 21. Marcus Smart chipped in 20 with 10 for 10 from the free throw line. Overall, a quality effort from the Boston Celtics. And here today to talk to me about today's game and anything else he wants to go ahead and chat about is my good friend indeed. You got to go ahead and be part of his great experience when it comes to the NBA draft at NBADraftJunkies.com, NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, and of course his podcast, NBA Draft Junkies and the Run the Floor podcast. It is my good friend indeed. It is. Raphael Barlow and Raphael. I like this effort as far as if you're a Celtics fan, which I'm not, but if you're a Celtics fan, you got to like the effort that was given today by the entire starting lineup. Yeah, they got big contributions from pretty much everybody. Um, Tice didn't have a, a big game, but other than that, they have four guys over 20 points. Um, they moved the ball well, smart. Uh, Brown and Tatum each had over five assists. So, yeah, this is the the effort that you were looking for earlier in the series. Um, but, yeah, today was a must win, in my opinion. You know, the statistics say that getting down 3-0, it's impossible to come back and win. So this was 
basically a game seven for them in a sense. I mean, Absolutely. they weren't going to go home if they lost, but yeah. it was, you know, it's pretty much over at that point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they um, they have to feel good about about the series. And to be honest with you, they're a couple plays away from either being up 2-1 or, or even 3-0 if you, if you think about it. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, must-win situation for them. Uh, Gordon Hayward played 30 minutes. Didn't look like he did a lot statistically as far as on paper, but he did have an impact in the game. He gave them an additional playmaker and some size. And um, and and then Miami just didn't have the, the game from Jimmy Butler that they needed. Um, even though he didn't have a bad game, but it was it was below what he's been playing. And then um, Dragic and um, Crowder really struggled. I want to say they were like four for 20 or something like that combined from the floor. Yeah, they, they were really hurting today. But I want to ask you this right off the bat with Gordon Hayward's return mm-hmm. coming off the bench. You know, obviously you don't see it in the box score as far as major contributions there. But the biggest contribution to me is actually at the end the left end of the box score. And that for me is minutes because Mm -hmm. he was able to soak up some minutes and give some guys a little bit of a longer blow, which may in turn have helped the Boston Celtics not totally die in that fourth quarter. Yeah, I agree. Um, On on paper, it kind of seems like Boston has a lot of depth, but for whatever reasons, as you watch the playoffs, you see that they don't have a lot of wing depth with with him out. Um, They just don't play a lot of players, period. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so him coming in, yeah, the 30 minutes had a, I think his impact was, was big. I mean, it's bigger than a stat sheet, but just having another playmaker, I want to say like the first play of the game, he ran a pick and roll and he got a nice assist and, you know, he's a better playmaker than they have coming off the bench as far as just, you know, once they start there, you know, with the lineup that they're, they're going with. So, um, yeah, he just gives him additional playmaker. And then when he's on the floor with uh, any of those guys, you have sometimes, well, at the minimum, you have four guys that can make a play for, for others. Tatum had, did a good job moving the ball. Um, Brown is, I mean, he's somewhat decent as far as making plays for others. Kimba can get in the paint and create opportunities for others. Smart had a, had a good game as far as assists, but Hayward had a, had a big impact, and he may be the difference in changing this series around for Boston. And that's something I also want to go ahead into more detail here in a minute. But one thing I didn't notice as much was something that was pulled out last game, and that was the dramatic second-half zone that they pulled out that you and I saw, that you and I were commenting about. It was like game one. I think it was game one. Last game. Uh, last game. Oh, was that was last game? Okay, yeah, no. it was last game where they put it out in the second half. It, I didn't see as much of it here. Obviously, they did try to throw some junk defenses out on the Boston Celtics, but it wasn't as effective today. Boston seemed to not get rattled as much until the very end where they almost lost a lead. But I want to hear your thoughts on why Boston was so much more successful cutting through Miami's defense for tonight's game. Well, I think they're prepared for it this time. They make some adjustments as far as like getting guys in the middle. And then um, once the ball got in the middle, finding guys in the short corner, cutting to the basket. So, yeah, I just think that they're prepared for it. And that's the thing about the playoffs. You you lose a game, you have another game, and you have a day to adjust and study film and 
and um, you know, try to, like I said, just make adjustments to what you're seeing. I think they were caught off guard a little bit in the second game, but they were prepared for it today. That they were indeed. Once again, I'm speaking to Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. Please go ahead and check out his awesome page. And if you're watching on Facebook Live, you're seeing it right now. That is NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, where he's got over 12,000 subscribers that have enjoyed his work so far. Be part of the conversation when you go ahead and talk about all the great things for the NBA Draft. And when you see them, all the prospects, interviews, and so much more at NBA Draft Junkies. My friend, when it comes to Miami's side, you just didn't see the – I didn't see the energy. I didn't see the effort. I know we talk about that pretty much every day here in the bubble, here in the playoffs. But a lot of times the team with the higher amount of energy, the more the team that plays with more desperation, seems to get the upper hand. doesn't always work out like that, but for the most part it does. And today I just didn't see anything popping out on the TV for me outside of maybe Bam Adebayo working underneath. I just didn't see from the, the perimeter players at all that kind of just necessity that, hey, they want to go ahead and get up 3-0. Yeah, I think they, like I mentioned earlier, Crowder and uh, Gorn struggled. And I want to say, like, coming into this game, Crowder was shooting, like, a ridiculous percentage from three. Um, I know he was taking about eight attempts per game, and it might have been, like, over 50% from three. And today he struggled. Um, I think he was was just two for ten from three. Every shot he attempted was a three-pointer. And then uh, – you know, Gorn was one for five. And so, and Jimmy Butler, for whatever reasons, was passing up shots, passing up three pointers. He only took one, one today. Um, they don't seem to mind about Duncan Robinson, though. He was still four for eight, but they don't seem to mind him uh, for the three point line. They just don't seem to mind him as a major factor. They think he's just going to get a few three pointers, and then that's all he can contribute because, as you see, he doesn't shoot free throws. He doesn't go for layups. He doesn't do anything but really defend and shoot three-pointers at this point. Yeah, I mean, I guess his gravity still, like, makes him a threat even if he's if he doesn't have the ball. But I just think Butler has lost confidence in his, his three-point shooting. I mean, there were times where he was, he was open, and he'd pass it up and give it to a teammate who may have been just as open. But, I mean, I just think Boston knows that – He's, he's not looking to shoot those. And so their rotation was more so once they knew he got the ball, they were rotating over to to the uh, to the second pass. So um, I think he has to play better. You know, he only had 17 points today. And I know he doesn't always put up, like, these big, huge numbers. But I think, like, for him, he has to know, like, if there's a game – for example, if, if this is a game which is – in so many ways, a closeout game, I think he has to be more aggressive and take more than 13 shots. Absolutely. Because if he comes out and he's assertive early and, you know, looks to just enforce his will in the game, then they could potentially be up 3-0, which is pretty much, like we said, um, game over in a sense. You know, you move on to the finals. So. Well, Bam Adebayo, I mean, 27-16, to 16, that's about the maximum, I really think, right now that you can get from him. I think he's playing, you know, in this game, at least he, I thought the only real heat for me that I saw a lot of energy from. But if he's maximizing at what in the high 20s and obviously getting a lot of rebounds, 
you need some support and hero even though you got 22 didn't seem like it was enough it just seems like you said when it comes down to it, this team rides a lot on the energy of jimmy b yeah and i think with bam he had a, a big game but it's kind of like what we talked about yesterday with Jokic. he only had one assist yeah and Miami is um, they rely on, a lot on his playmaking and, and finding guys. So I think Boston was fine with having him as a scorer if he only has one assist. And so um, I thought that was that was kind of key to the game. After LeBron and AD as a forward tandem, because I think still a lot of people out there think of LeBron as a forward. Do you think the Boston tandem of Tatum and Brown are the best forwards right after it? Uh. Yeah, I mean, if you call LeBron and AD forwards, I think these guys are totally different in a sense. Um, as far as, in my opinion, they're both like, in traditional NBA, they both would be threes. But you mm-hmm. have two threes playing, three and a four. I think they're somewhat interchangeable. But, yeah, I, I definitely think that, um, yeah, they're, they're, and so far in the playoffs, for sure, that they have the best wing combination in the uh, in the playoffs right now. And then... I mean, going forward in the NBA, their future is bright. I mean, both of those guys are probably under 24. And that's what's scary <laughs> yep. I think, for the rest of the NBA out there. It reminds me a lot of what people talk about when they talk about Jokic and Murray. One's mm-hmm. 24, the other's 22. So it's ridiculous to see the kind of potential that both of these duos that we're talking about in Boston and Denver could truly have. Yeah, and they're they're both signed. I mean, they both got them signed um, long smart. term. And Very so, smart. Yeah. Uh, no, um, no pun intended, Keith. <laughs> yeah, they're they're signed long term, and and they uh, Boston has a great future. I mean, they have three first round picks this year, which I think they can flip into turn into something else. So, future's bright there. Why did I say Keith Smart? I meant Marcus Smart. Like I, I got Key Smart on the head for some reason. Marcus Smart. Marcus wow, that's Smart. back in like 1988, exactly. Indiana. <laughs> exactly. See, there you go, hitting the shot right there in the national championship game. But Marcus Smart, uh, he he's an energy guy. He's always going to bring it, win or lose. He is going to bring it. And today, he didn't really need to bring as much as far as uh, you know from a playmaking standpoint. He just brought needed to bring aggression and need and desire because you're down 0-2. And I think he did that. And it certainly carried him to a lot going to the free throw line because hitting 10 for 10 really helped out the team. Yeah, I mean, you don't expect Marcus Smart to go to the free throw line 10 times a game. He's usually a guy that most of his shot attempts are threes. And even though he is an aggressive, aggressive player on defense, and I guess you can say he's aggressive on offense as far as looking for his three-point shot, but him getting to the free throw line 10 times is an extra bonus for Boston. Absolutely. I mean, it's like icing on the cake when you're doing that well. And, you know, today it proved to be the difference because he if he doesn't go to the line, they don't win. Yeah. Yeah. But and, I- um, yeah, I mean, 10 free throws for Marcus Smart. He's had some weird games this playoffs. He had a, 10, a game where he shot 10 free throws, and he also had a game where he had five threes. Not what I expect out of Marcus Smart, but he's a gamer. I mean, whether you like him or not, I'm not a big fan of his flopping. I think it's, you know, how can you be a physical, tough defender and a flopper at the same time? I think that's somewhat of an oxymoron, but he's a guy that you would love to have on your team because he does all the little things and everything that he does is is to make the team better. 
you know, whether you need him to defend a big, defend a guard, make a hustle play. Like I said, you love to have him on your team. I'm sure Laker time has some scenario somewhere where Marcus Smart is a Laker, or at least he's thought about it. Let's trade uh, Kuzma (laughs) and uh, JaVale and uh, Danny Green for, uh, yes, uh, both uh, Wings and Marcus Smart on Boston. How about that? (laughs) Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com. And you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. But I wanted to ask you, speaking of Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart, I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you this. He, after the game a couple days ago, got into a heated argument. I think it was with Jalen Brown, if I'm not mistaken, it was in the locker room. A lot of people heard it, and obviously it was uh, something of note as far as newsworthy, or at least it was trending on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was a, a big importance as far as a factor to snap everyone on Boston out of what they were doing and just get them focused on what they have to accomplish as far as winning the rest of the series? Well, I think whatever happened in that argument or you know, the debate in the locker room, if they would have lost this game and came out flat, that would have been the excuse. You know, chemistry is bad. They're not getting along. Yada, yada, yada. I know. Where did we hear that before earlier this week? <laughs> right. And since they won, then it's going to be seen as a positive thing. I know Draymond, Draymond Green made a uh, statement that the good teams argue the most. And so, I mean, I guess that, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a matter of opinion. Um but he's or maybe he, experience and definitely that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess. I, I mean, I guess it makes sense on one hand that everybody's engaged, everybody cares. That means they have a guy on the team that's not afraid to ruffle feathers in the locker room and hold people accountable. I was shocked to read that um, for Miami, Chris Bosch was that guy. I would have never thought that, but I, I listened to a podcast and they said that he was not afraid to hold LeBron accountable if he was missing rotations and they butted heads from time to time. But I mean, they were successful. And so Golden State was successful. You know, Draymond is that guy. And then for Boston, obviously Marcus Smart is the guy who's not afraid to say what's on his mind. And since they won today, the story becomes a non-issue. If they would have lost and came out flat, then it definitely would be dominating headlines right now. But it looks like whatever he said worked. They got good games out of Brown um, and Tatum, and then he played well himself. So Boston is back in the series. And if you're Laker Tom, you think it's going to trend on Twitter more than the Clippers getting roasted. But, yeah, (laughs) need I digress. What's up, Laker Tom? I know you're going to be listening to us, so we appreciate you listening. Also, as well, everyone out there, I want to thank you so much. Please check out Rafael Barlow's great site, NBA Draft Junkies, NBADraftJunkies.com, and, of course, everything that he does for Lakerholics.com as well. But before we head on out and before we get to what you're working on, my friend, I wanted to go ahead and hit you up with this. 
this series, you and I had said, is going to seven games. I think we right. both said Miami in seven. But this game, I think, exemplifies that it's going to be a long, very even matchup going forward. And you said yourself earlier in this program that Boston could have easily, with a couple of tweaks and a couple things going their way, could be up 3-0 as opposed to being down 1-2. So I want to hear your thoughts on what you think will continue to happen going forward because there's going to be adjustments on both sides because it's that to me and I think to you as well, that evenly matched. So when you have a series that evenly matched, what things need to fall in place in order to get to, like, like we were talking about, uh, a, a, a series that's going to be extended that long? Well, game four is going to be big. Um, is it game four? Yeah, game yeah. four is going to be big because it's either going to be tied 2-2 or Miami up 3-1. to And now we've seen teams come back from down 3-1 a couple of times in this playoff, so we've seen one team do it. So the door is not closed there, but Boston doesn't want to fall back 3-1. But I think Haywood got his feet wet this game. Um, I expect him to probably play around the same amount of minutes the next game. He, um, you know, I mean, he hadn't played in a while. And then also hearing that he's going to stay in the bubble um, and not leave for the birth of his child, which is, whew. I mean, I'm, I'm not a father. I'm not married. I, I don't know how that conversation would go. But uh, his wife must be really, really understanding. So <laughs> exactly, that's the, that's the way <laughs> either, I would word it. Either that, or he just <laughs> decided I'll deal with it when I get back home from the bubble. I'm or, not sure or, <laughs> or you live your life without regret, and it, because it would probably be something that he's going to regret. I'm just telling you from my own experience, who's had uh, uh, kids and two kids that have been the birth of both of them. So mm-hmm. it's. Uh, to me, it's an experience unlike anything else, and uh, I would not have missed it for anything. Yeah, and you know it's a tough situation because you know you're you're, and I'm saying this as, from the perspective of a, a man that's not married and doesn't have any kids. But you know when you make your vows or whatever, you're you're supposed to be there for your wife and your family, and your job is not supposed to be more important than the birth of a child. But for sports, it seems like there's. You know, there's just Something a different, different set of rules, a different yeah. set of rules. You have, you know, your teammates that are counting on you. You have the championship on the line. Vince it, Carter. It's, it's, yeah, Vince Carter. Or even like just on a, on a def- different end of the spectrum, you had like Brett Favre, you know, when his when his father passed away. You know, the average person would not have gone to work that day. But in sports, you know, you, you kind of like get this. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like – with Favre, I mean, that's one game that's going to be talked about forever for his career. And then, you know, for Hayward, um, it, it's a risky situation. I think I don't think it's his first child, so I'm not saying that that should, you know, make one more important than the other. But I think, you know, for some people, they figure like, well, it's not the first child. You know, fans don't care. All they want to care about is, is, is winning a championship. But like, it's that child and the future yeah, of that child. child. Like, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, little Timmy got to go ahead and have dad there, but uh, let's say a little Johnny didn't. What is little Johnny going to do when they grow up and they realize this? Are they going to be okay and understanding with it, or are they going to have you know, some issues going forward? I mean, it's something small. It's something that shouldn't 
be that way, but you know what? It, it's it just it's so hard to go ahead and say no to that because again, as someone who's had two kids and been through that twice, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Right, and you know I don't plan to either. Um, but you know, if he doesn't leave, Boston better win the championship. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? At least that part can make the conversation a little bit different. Like exactly. You know, I missed out, but I brought Boston. I helped contribute to their 18th championship. He'd be a hero in Celtic. You bring the Larry O'Brien trophy home. (laughs) Hi, honey. I brought this instead. Yeah, so at that point, I think you you have to win or – yeah, I I couldn't imagine, like, missing out on the birth of your child and your team loses 4-1. I couldn't imagine that would be kind of rough to go home and live through that. So at least his house is probably big enough to where he can get a little space in. I would say so. And he's probably got some fast cars he could drive away real fast from in case it gets hot, a little (laughs) bit too hot. But anyways, my friend, I just wanted to go ahead and thank you enough for for being a part of today's program. But before we head on out, because you and I think this is going to go for seven games. I think it's still got earmarked for that. And I think, like you said, that it's very even. But in the other series that's being played tomorrow, because I think, not 100% sure, for the next Miami game, but I think that's they're taking a couple days off so that the Western Conference can kind of catch up, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. I, thought I saw like um, there's no game on Monday, and then the yeah, so the Lakers and the Nuggets play on Tuesday, and then we're back to every other day. So, okay, so yeah, they're allowing the Western Conference to catch up after today. So, I want to ask you this, my friend, as we head into tomorrow's game for game two. The Nuggets are going to have to make some changes in order to try and compete better against the size and the speed of the Lakers. Is there really anything that they can do? Because if they're going to do it, if they're going to make an impression this series, I don't think coming back 3-1 to one is going to be the deal. I think they need to do it now. Well, you know, they've been successful being down 3-1. to one. So um, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I don't know if the Lakers are, are the team that you want to go down 3-1 to one to, but – Probably down three to one is, is is what's got them here. So maybe they don't make any adjustments. Maybe they don't change. And um, but as far as like what they can do to um, to win game two, I think that um, I mean it's it's tough. I mean it, it's a really tough situation. I think the Lakers are just a more talented team. I think if you you know if, if LeBron and AD and and Jokic and Murray play even. I still think the Lakers' supporting cast is a little better. Um, I think Denver's Porter. At least they're playing better, I should say. Yeah, I think they're, but I just think that they're better. I mean, they have a Rondo on the bench. They can bring in Dwight, who was a big factor. I just don't see Denver having having that type of firepower off the bench. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. is supposed to be their third option. And, uh, I mean, he's their third leading scorer at this point, but I just think that once he's in the game, He's so green. You know, he's a rookie, yeah. and he's not really good on he, defense. Yeah, he and, becomes a target. Yep, he becomes a target. And, you know, LeBron is not the guy you want, um, you know, hunting you out if you're a, a bad defender. And so, um, but, yeah, I thought Denver made a, a run late in the game. I don't know if the Lakers just let their foot off the gas or Denver found something that they can exploit, but I just think that the Lakers are just going to be too much for them. Well, but it's really I, I was wrong before. 
I don't want to sound like I'm counting Denver out. I know I said the first series, I thought they were, <laughs> I thought it was over. I know last series, I confidently said it's over. Luckily, this is not like ESPN where you can run back my old takes and, and, and give me a hard time with me saying. What if Jamal Murray had said Zach Lowe and Rafael Barlow and Stephen A. Smith and dropped your name on Twitter? Like well, free publicity is good publicity. <laughs> if if five hundred thousand people Google my name and went to my website and I got traffic of one percent of that, that would be a win. So yeah, I wouldn't mind him saying my name in that aspect. Fair enough, fair enough indeed. But it is going to be tomorrow. That's the Lakers and also as well Nuggets in Game Two. I'm interested to see, and I can hear right now Laker Tom somewhere in the back of my head. He's he's right there, you know, telling me something, Gerald. I think Frank Vogel should start. I think he should start Dwight Howard. So I think you'd probably like say that right about now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let me ask you this. If you were Frank Vogel, would you be starting Dwight Howard? Uh, I would. I, I kind of like the way it worked out uh, it last game. Yeah. I mean, I've always thought Dwight was better than McGee this season. Um, if you can get – Dwight's confidence up and and just kind of get him playing like he played last game. He looked, you know, like I said in the last podcast, he looked like the Dwight Howard of old. And I I don't think that Dwight has really fallen off as far as talent-wise. He's still an elite-level athlete. I just think that he struggled with adjusting to a role. He doesn't want to play pick-and-roll. You know, he wants to get his post touches. But if – not playing those two games or two or three games, getting DMPCDs, and he felt like, well, this is what I need to do to play, and he decides to adjust, I think he adds a different dynamic that JaVale doesn't. And, and I, I agree with you on that. I just like the fact mainly, yes, he was awesome as far as uh, you know, getting those lobs and making himself available and fighting underneath, but the fact that he was able to be so successful in getting the other Denver Nuggets players in foul trouble that's Mm -hmm. what i think the key was to me i mean getting those players like Jokic, murray and Millsap all in trouble i think was really a key to them going ahead and and saying you know okay it didn't work out for the rest of the half but it started to become a factor when Jokic got his fourth foul and murray started to play a little bit tepid because of it as well yeah, I think if I were Frank, I would start Dwight, and on my first play of the game, I'm running a lob play for him. If I can get him engaged and get that motor running early, I think that he causes a problem for Denver because obviously if you play him and AD together, you have a crazy athletic front line. Yeah, And, um, you know, his activity and Davis's activity could get their bigs in foul trouble again. And if you get Jokic in foul trouble, then Denver has no shot at all. And I want to ask you this. You mentioned about the fourth quarter getting some confidence. How much confidence can you get, uh, or at least a little bit of confidence, can you get off of the fourth quarter performance as far as them making up such a, uh, you know, off the, lead, off the lead? They just they scrubbed off, what, 16 points off the lead, I think, from what they were at. But it was basically done with guys like Cook, Dudley, McGee. Yeah, JR. Yeah, it was done with all the scrubs mm-hmm. against the scrubs. So how literally, I mean, we've seen situations before in the fourth quarter where it's the starters versus starters and, you know, they come back and 
they lose, you know, they lose in a close victory like today with Miami. So you mm-hmm. can gain some confidence off that. But how realistically for the Nuggets can you actually gain confidence or say, you know what, we can go ahead and get them on the next game just because of how well we performed in the fourth quarter? Well, in my opinion, Denver is a team that doesn't lack for confidence. I mean, you have to have huge confidence to believe that you can come back to win after you're down 3-1. I mean, they didn't think they were out of it when they were down 3-1, down 20 points in the last series. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't think their confidence would have been shaken either way. I just think that they're a confident bunch. They believe in themselves. And, I mean, yes, they did cut the league down against the Lakers, second or even, you can say, third unit. Um, um, so, yeah, I don't know if it's going to have much of an impact going forward. But I, I still think, obviously, the Lakers let their foot off the gas. Denver may have found something. Um that that they can exploit and in, uh, in the next game, but overall, I just think that the Lakers are too strong. But I don't want to be on my Charles Barkley here, where <laughs> I'm, I'm looking ahead and, and Denver comes back to to make me look crazy. Um, but yeah, I just still think the Lakers are the superior team in this situation. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Nor do I want to be a magic man or Laker Tom and start planning out and mapping out all my articles on Miami versus L.A. at this point in time. Yeah, I don't really want to go ahead and start getting too far ahead of it either. I think a lot of Laker fans are. I mean, I think the the parade is already planned out. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's... It's almost like the Warriors in the last couple of years. You just had already penciled them in as championships. I think that, um, you know, there's not a – I mean, I guess Boston would be somewhat of a rivalry, but it's not a rivalry that was kind of like pumped up it, in the preseason as, you know, a big matchup. Miami – Just as much as like older play, older people like me want to make it like it's, you know, the biggest rivalry like it was, it was the biggest rivalry of the 80s. Yeah. It's not, but not 40 years later. No, I mean, you know, they had their, their run what, about 10 years ago. Um, yeah. But I, but I, even I, back then, it just, you know, it was ugly. It got gritty, whatnot, but it wasn't to the level, I think, of the 80s. I mean, it was, it got physical. And, and you and I saw that, that 2010 game seven, which was beyond ugly if you're watching mm-hmm. it from a basketball perspective. But it was really good at that time. And I, I but I just, I don't sense like the, for instance, the Kevin McHale clotheslines and the dirty plays and all the stuff yeah. that was going on in the eighties. I just didn't sense, you know, as much vitriol between both sides, even in the 2010 series, or even what would be in the 2020 series. Let's say that Boston and, and the Lakers meet just hypothetically, I'm not mm-hmm. guaranteeing that or anything, but I just don't see the kind of vitriol, even with Twitter, even with social media, yeah. I just don't see that same kind of vitriol that you saw 40 years ago. Yeah, I don't think you'll see that from 
any team. I mean, even if it would have been a Lakers Clippers, I don't. You're, you're not going to see that. It would have um, been closer. Maybe I don't think the players dislike each other. I just think it's more so the fan bases that really. I don't know. Pebev is kind of you know gets on your nerves after a while. He does a great job of that. Yeah, but I, I think like I mentioned before, you got the two brothers, the two twins on the same team, so that that adds <laughs> that a different. Awesome. That was an awesome <laughs> argument that you put up. Yeah, that adds a different dynamic because, I mean, I they're going to choose family over the, over their teammates any day. Um, but no, I just don't think that you we're going to ever see like two teams really really hate each other that much. Um, and even like. Even when we had like Cleveland versus Golden State, you know, they're matching up for was it like four years in a row? They still didn't develop that type of physical rivalry where they actually like hated each other. Yeah. I was reading this article on ESPN in The Undefeated, uh, and everybody should go check out the stories in The Undefeated because there's some really good stuff there about Udonis Haslam. I mean, remember him? Yes, he's still on the Miami Heat. Uh, <laughs> Easiest job in the world. Yeah, exactly. He was talking about him and him and uh, Butler. They're the leaders. They make sure they do it the old school way. They don't want to make any friends in the bubble. They're not meeting with any other buddy of the other teams. They're not getting friendly. Yada 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 yada. Which leads me to believe that almost everybody else is kind of cool with each other. You know, when they're down there in the bubble. So it just, as you and I both know, that these a lot of these players are friends off the court. You know, we've seen that as far as work out on the court with the way they've positioned some of them when they get to a, a level and the status where they can control where they want to go and who they want to play uh, play with. So it's it's kind of funny when you when they now have to announce I'm doing this old school way where I don't have to like my opponent. Yeah, I think even with the old school NBA, I think even that stuff is kind of over exaggerated. I once had a. Um, <laughs> I had a talk with Dominique Wilkins. It was like before Mavs game and, you know, he was making the same comments, yada, yada, yada. And I said, well, didn't you guys used to play a Magic's Midnight Summer's Dream, whatever, like exhibition that. game every year in L.A.? He's like, ah. And so I was like, but the way you guys make it seem like you absolutely hate each other, like you couldn't stand each other. You didn't have each other's phone numbers, this, this and that. But I said, I was young enough to remember those highlights where it would literally be NBA All-Star Weekend in L.A. You guys weren't fighting then. And he just kind of was like, yeah, you know. <laughs> so so I, I do think, like, some of those rivalries were somewhat over-exaggerated. I mean, like, Jordan and Barkley played golf before the NBA Finals. Jordan's one of his best friends was Oakley. He played for the Knicks. I mean, they couldn't have hated each other that much. Magic and Isaiah used to kiss before half court, kiss at half court before the games. But I knew once they got on the floor, all of that was out the window. But I still think they were friends. They were hanging out, yada, yada, yada. The stuff that they criticized players for today, they were doing it back in that day, at least in my opinion. But, you know, it's uh, back in my day, you know, it's like the old get off my lawn arguments that, you know, they're going out right now. It's, well, you know, these players today, you know, these players today. It's funny because at that time, I'm sure a lot of players that were there years before were saying the same thing. Yeah, definitely. You know, like I, I somebody pulled up an old video where Wilt Chamberlain, he would average like 80 points a game if he played in the 80s. So it just never, it never stops. So then I'm starting to see now players that played in the 
the two thousands are saying, you know, how the game is different when they played, how, you know, guys didn't help each other out. They didn't work out together. Yada, yada. And I was just like, every generation is going to make it seem like their generation is, is tougher or harder. And I think there's a little bit of jealousy because, And there's, yeah, definitely a lot of jealousy in today, the NBA um, today. I just saw Reggie Miller say he'd average like 60 a game or something like that if you played in today's NBA with the rules where you can't kick out, and which he did invent that. You know, he did make that an advantage, but and he may be valid because when he was shooting threes way before, you know, they were, you know, they weren't shooting threes like they are right now. But yeah, every era is going to say that. So kind of got on a tangent, but I don't think we'll ever see teams hate each other like the Lakers and Celtics in the 80s. I don't think so either, especially now in the in the way that the they all have the same agents and the same you know they work they do ads together and a whole bunch of other stuff and just the too way much, they work with each other. Yeah. yeah, too much fluidity in the league. I mean, you think like Jay Crowder played for Miami just 2 years ago. Yeah. So then there you go. I mean, just just the way they interact with each other, it's it's inevitable that most of them are, if they're not friends, they're at least, uh, you know, they, they work with each other. They know each other. And for the most part, most players behind the scenes like each other. Most players, I should say. And even if they don't, I mean, think about who would have ever thought Rondo and LeBron would play together. Yeah. Or Absolutely. Rondo and Dwight. <laughs> Dwight, LeBron, and Rondo all on the same team after, you know. With they, J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters. Yeah. But at least Rondo, you know, 10 years ago, Rondo, Dwight, and LeBron, you knew one of those three was going to get out of the East. Yeah. Absolutely. You you, you to make it out. That. And then yeah. uh, Ray Allen ends up going to play with, <laughs> with Miami, which it doesn't – I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird because, remember, they didn't forgive him for that. Like, they gave him a hard time. But, for yeah, Rondo time. did the same thing. I mean, even though it may not be the same exact situation but, as far as but, but Rondo, Rondo did go part of the cool kids. He was part of the cool kids, though. See, and Ray then he Allen teamed was, up was with not. LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, he teamed up with LeBron too. So, yeah, I just think that uh, it's I mean, it's just totally different now. If Kevin Garnett does end up buying the Timberwolves, do you see Rondo as being the, one of their first head coaches? I never thought of it from that perspective. It depends Just on how much power he has. It depends on how much power he has. That would be cool to see. I mean, I think Rondo would be a pretty good coach. I mean, as far as like from an X and O standpoint. Um, but, you know, there's Nobody so much. Nobody evaluates tape like he does. Yeah, and I had a chance to just meet him once. It was very briefly. It was in Vegas during Summer League. And uh, his agency, BDA, had some camp. And I was there filming. And I had always heard that he has like a really IQ. And he ask a lot of questions and he was literally asking just a lot of questions who's this okay who's this guy what does he do yeah yeah and i could see how he just asked a lot of questions and stores so much knowledge and um but yeah i mean i, I think he would be i think he'd be a good coach i think him and chris paul could end up being like jason kidd in a sense as soon as they retire they have a head coaching job waiting for them without any experience um but yeah, I never thought of it from that perspective. If if KG uh, owns the owns the Timberwolves, I just wonder how much power would he have. 
Because teams cost like a billion dollars now. Yeah. I mean, I imagine. Well, I, like, no, no, three. <laughs> yeah. Three, yeah, so two to three. Well, yeah, it's like the a, what they're worth, and it's always ends up being way more than what Forbes list yeah. them as. And so even if you take every single penny that he's made in his career and multiply it by two, he's still significantly short. But as he would say, anything is possible. possible. <laughs> good one, good one. Yes, I was. I was setting you up for that for like two minutes. But anyways, <laughs> I'm glad we're friends, uh, and it is my good friend Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. But before we head on out, my friend, I truly appreciate you joining us. But you got to give everyone out there an update on what's going on with your awesome experience, as I'm showing everyone on Facebook Live, NBA Draft Junkies. Yeah, I'm just putting up content every day, something I'm really enjoying and doing. Um, kind of thankful for this long extended draft process. Hopefully I can get out on the road and get some video of um, some guys' workouts and get some behind the scenes footage. I reached out to, um, excuse me, an agent and well, that's an, it's not an agent, but the training facility where Denny Avdia and Teo Maladon are, are working out at. And hopefully I can, um, you know, get the okay so I go out there and get some footage of them working out. Um, other than that, I still have some videos of Cassius Winston videos to be dropping this weekend. And then I, I have uh, a video of another guy's big board, actually to be part two. Um, so I have that coming out. And then going forward into next week, it'll be the same thing, different player videos and different um, guys coming on the show to talk about who their top 14 players are in the draft. So stay on the lookout. Like I said, the goal is to put up anywhere between five to seven videos per week. And, uh, and if I continue that for the next 60 days, I should have quite a few videos heading into the draft. And then after that, I just start working on 21 draft. There you go. And you can catch that today at NBADraftJunkies.com and NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube. I will say this, though. You might get a complaint this time next year because someone's going to say, hey, you had so many hundreds of videos for the 2020 draft. Why didn't you have as much for the 2021? And you're going to probably, you know, obviously because of the date change and things of that nature to be going back to a normal scheme, you just won't have enough time. Well, maybe I, I think that my, my goal is to just keep up this pace and not really take a break. And so a lot of the guys from the 21 draft, at least the guys overseas are already playing. So yeah. um, they started their season. And if I can just, uh, you know, Start early, start on the guys that, um, you know, that are still in college that are projected and just have one video for them and then, you know, maybe make another one throughout the season. So, yeah, if I, I just got to keep getting better every year. That's my goal, keep getting better every year and, um, you know, just make the experience, as you would say, better and improve it. And, and I think that, um, you know, the sky could be the limit for, for what I have going on with NBA Draft Junkies. It is. It is. And I'll tell you what, if anybody out there wants a great place to go for the NBA draft, junk, NBA draft, there is no better place to go than NBA draft junkies. I appreciate and that. And for me, oh no, it's, it's there, man. It's proof. It's already there. Rock solid. I mean, you just layer by layer by layer and all the great stuff. It's just, it's just so awesome. Indeed for me at Lakers fast break on Twitter. Just want to let you know, pop culture cosmos. We dropped an episode yesterday, the PCC multiverse that covered the latest trailer for the Mandalorian. And also as well, we talk about the price and the date that was announced for the PlayStation five. And if and where, whether or not we're going to go ahead and buy one right away or not, 
We talk about all the greatest news and information that's currently trending right now in pop culture at the Pop Culture Cosmos. For week two in the NFL, we've also got an inside sports fantasy football where myself and Chris Sardieri talk the latest and greatest news in Indiana in the NFL, plus gives you tips for your teams this weekend in fantasy football. Also want to go and say, I didn't say this on yesterday's show, but I also want to go ahead and uh, pay my respects to RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, rest in peace. Uh, thank you for what you did for uh, our country and our way of life. So we truly appreciate it. Please go ahead and register the vote if you have not done already. Let's make a positive chill, uh, positive future for, for all of us out there. We hope you go ahead and do so. But, Raphael, it's been great talking to you again. We're going to go ahead and do this thing tomorrow. We'll probably have some Lakerholics around us with, you know who, Mr. Laker Tom <laughs> lurking somewhere talking about uh, how they should have started Dwight Howard. Uh, I, <laughs> I think he'll start. Okay. You think he'll start? I hope so as well, at least to get a good start. But you know what? I actually kind of like the way he came off the bench and gave that enthusiasm and, and put the guys in foul trouble. But Again, we'll wait and see what happens tomorrow with the Lakers and Nuggets in game two of the Western Conference Finals. So I'm looking forward to it. And I know everyone else out there, their Lakers fans and Nuggets fans are as well. If you have any questions for me, it's at Lakers Fast Break or last or Lakers Fast Break at Yahoo.com. Rafael Barlow at Barlow 500 or at NBA Draft Junkies on Twitter. He's got one of the best Twitter handles out there. If you want to go ahead and check out all of his thoughts out there, it's at Barlow 500 for some just great observations during the game. I, I love it. I, I can actually keep my phone in one hand just to see what you're saying <laughs> as we're going along. So, Thank you. Well, I appreciate it, my friend, as always. You've done a great job indeed. Go ahead and check out everything at NBA Draft Junkies, and hopefully you will go ahead and join us tomorrow for another edition of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.